you're listening to The Quad, a Killjoys podcast. My name is Annie. And I'm Chris. And I'm Stephanie. In this episode, we're discussing Killjoys Season 3, Episode 5, Attack the Rack. While we will talk about anything and everything from that episode, there shouldn't be any spoilers for future episodes. So let's get started with our quick reviews. I really enjoyed this up. Really great action-y packed episode where the Killjoys finally go in with the game plan and attack the rack, as the episode says, to try and get out all the, uh, you know, Killjoys that are under the Hullen influence, but it ends up getting gloriously screwed up anyway in kind of typical Killjoy fashion because Anila is continuing to think ten steps ahead. The ending was quite shocking to me when she <laughs> blew up a bunch of rack ships. But hey... But even more than that, we got more than unresolved sexual tension with Delsea. I mean, there's I was resolved like, oh, sexual tension. Oh, resolved I think. sexual tension. Yeah, I'm all. Oh, there's actual kissing. Oh my god, they went that far. It's uh, RST. RST. Mm-hmm. And I'm literally watching it and like clapping and laughing with delight because all I'm thinking of is what is Stephanie thinking. So, <laughs> I mean, kind of me too. Yeah, I, exactly. I literally started laughing out loud. <laughs> yeah. I love that I was, you guys think of me when you're watching the show. That just makes me so happy. I know. I was very delighted. But I'm really bummed about Banyan dying, uh, especially in the way that she died. But I, I think that's, you know, smart writing and kind of typical Killjoy's writing because it's showing that this war that Dutch started is already having some very emotional costs. And I'm looking forward to you know, how how it will affect her. I mean, from a writing sense, I'm really sad for Dutch, but uh, I just thought, I was like, oh man, we finally got Banyan on her side, and oh, she died. So I was bummed. But awesome, awesome Dutch fighty scenes, and Jacoby's brothers being their wonderful snarky selves in the middle of a very tense torture situation. I just, again, I love this show. So yeah, I liked it. What about you, Chris? I also like the episode, but I'm also mad about Banyan. So, so mad about it. I like that we're seeing the show move forward with Dutch's war. Like, they've talked about it a lot. Mm -hmm. That's how season two ended, is like, we're going to war. And they kind of talked a lot about doing that and started making preparations. So, I'm kind of, I don't know, excited that they're taking like a first step actually going on the attack now, which seems like a weird thing to say, but you know, anyway, I I even kind of like that it went horribly wrong, which also seems weird to say, (laughs) but I mean, this is such a genre trope, right? Where they finally take this big move and they're going to stage this big, thing that they think is going to be really effective and everything just goes horribly wrong. And I mean, I suspect the the losses of the episode are going to weigh heavily on Dutch and Team Awesome Force. And I guess that's part of why I'm it all sounds so so wrong. I'm I'm looking forward to everybody being devastated. No. Um, (laughs) No, I am too, in a weird way. No, that's what I was trying to say. I guess part of what I'm trying to get at here is this is a big genre trope, right? Where they have the thing, the mission's all planned out, everything goes horribly wrong. But like this show, because 
it's this show and it's Michelle Labretta and everything. There's a lot of stuff where they take genre tropes and sort of explore them more fully than they ever do <laughs> in other things. Like, like emotionally explore, if if that makes sense. So again, the fallout, the emotional fallout is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Oh, I totally agree. Yep. Plus, as I wished for last episode, uh, we got more Fancy Lee and also Anila and Elsea. And as Annie already mentioned, there was just kind of like laughing during that episode when they start kissing, which is not <laughs> a comment on the kissing. It's more just kind of like, oh, fan reaction to this is going to be kind of hilarious. And speaking of which, what did you think? By fan reaction, do you mean me, Chris? Am I the fan reaction of what you speak? Mostly, yeah, ninety nine percent. Yeah, about about eighty to ninety percent of <laughs> my experiencing fan reaction is going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> but also like Tumblr and Twitter and and whatnot. I'm, you know, I'm expecting a lot of uh, a lot of gift sets on Tumblr. I've already seen at least one. <laughs> What'd you think, Stephanie? Well, I think we're, f- we're three for three here. I thought this was a, a good, fun episode. I think this season has been really solid so far. And, you know, we got some good Killjoys elements here. We got violence ballet from Dutch. I like when she does the very choreographed violent scenes, which sounds weird, but they're so pretty. And, they are. <laughs> and, you know, good Jacoby Brothers banter. We got some interesting angsty stuff from Fancy. And, of course, the smoochies, y'all. There were smoochies. I I feel like I can't give you my full reaction on the podcast because this is a clean-rated podcast and I don't <laughs> Darn. want to be too personal. <laughs> but I, I am a little unnerved right now. <laughs> I am intrigued. A little a little uncomfortable. I was all for the smoochies, and I was extremely pleased with the smoochies, and oh my gosh. <laughs> however, however, as they're kiss- kissing on the, you know, the bow of the ship, or whatever that thing is called. <laughs> Probably the bridge, Space right? Titanic. Maybe <laughs> the bridge of the ship. I'll go with bow. Why not? <laughs> oh my god, I can hear. My heart will go on right now in my head. <laughs> Are you hearing the, the weird... Uh, never mind. Never mind. The, the sad flute. So, okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> which is That's better. what I was looking for. <laughs> it's like the sad Irish flute, which is different from the stereotypical Asian flute. They're two different flutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, please, put this both in and edit saying you must put in the sad Irish flute and then the... <laughs> to the Asian flute. Asian flute. Anyway, so I was very pleased with the kissing, but as they are are doing so on not the bow, but the bridge of the ship, I'm I'm like thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? Because now we have two expressing at least queer ladies on the show, and they're the big bads of the season. And I'm like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> what do you mean? What have you done? Like it was all your fault? Or? <laughs> I feel like this is ninety percent my fault. <laughs> she wished it into existence. <laughs> if your brainwaves else, just went over to Michelle Lavretta's 
brainwaves and just influenced her horribly. What do you mean by brainwaves? My freaking tweets! <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Hi, Loretta, if you're listening. <laughs> okay, it was only like twice, but I know at least twice I mentioned my love of Delcea and Dutch's unresolved sexual tension, and she favorited those tweets, so I feel like this is nice <laughs> but it's your fault. fault. <laughs> <laughs> Though I should say, like, you know, I, while, yes, the evil lesbian trope is bad, and I'm going to be anxious now, because, like, but they're, they're like the bad guys. Does this mean they're going to die? I don't want them to die, because that's another bad trope. Ah! Like, I do have more faith <laughs> in Lachelle Lavrida. <laughs> you know, I do have more faith in Michelle Lavrida than that. It's just making mm-hmm. me nervous, and I think really what the solution is is we just need we just need like more queer women on the show, right? Because that was the thing about yes. Lost Girl. You could have the Morrigan sleep with Lauren, and that's okay, even though she's kind of evil because you have Lauren mm-hmm. and you have Bo and you have Tamsin, who are good guys. I don't so know about I think it being okay, this, it made me scream. I think yeah. what what I'm saying is I'm going to start a new hashtag campaign when we're going to get Zephy girlfriend and we're going <laughs> to just gonna expand. Yes, the. Queer women on the show. <laughs> just pull a Greg Rucka on Wonder Woman and just make everybody like a little queer. Why not? Mm-hmm. Everybody's a flaming bisexual. Why not? <laughs> <sighs> Nerd girlfriends for everybody. Oh, yes. I love it. Okay. Here, here is a counterpoint to, to this thing about Dulcea and Anila. Because... I hear what you're saying. I totally do. And I also had this concern even before this episode, I think. But uh, here's the thing that maybe kind of, it kind of makes it okay in my mind so far. So far. I don't know where the rest of the season is going. Oh, it's super okay in my mind, if you know what I mean. (laughs) My mind is a happy place. going in your mind. (laughs) Uh, Let me rephrase. (laughs) In the context of the show... (laughs) <laughs> this this is something that, from what we've seen at least, is maybe the most humanizing thing we've seen from Anila specifically, mm-hmm. and True. and maybe Delsea a little bit. I don't know, but because Anila has has not been a nice person, you might have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little murdery. <laughs> I mean, the most humanizing thing we've seen from her so far has been her reaction to finding out that Klein is dead, which had a really, really murderous first part and a and a slightly quieter um (laughs) Dating Mall. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. (laughs) I'm laughing. I shouldn't be laughing. People people were killed. (laughs) Fictional people. I don't remember the quiet part afterward. I just remember the killing part now. Oh, at the end of the episode when (laughs) When Delcea goes to see her. <laughs> oh, that part. I thought you meant right after the murdery part. I'm all, she didn't seem too quiet right after that. But Yeah, that anyway. is not what I was talking about. Okay. But my point is, she seemed upset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In both parts of that, she was upset. Visibly upset. And that's sort of the most, the most human responses we've gotten from her thus far. Until now. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So this, <laughs> and I did really like how Hannah John Common and Mako Wynn played that scene with like how she reacted to Delcea trying to kiss her. Like, wait a second, what is happening? No, 
and Delsea well, looking like a little afraid, but then yeah, I l- kind of like talking. You could see you could see Anila mentally talking herself into it, and then was kind of like, "Oh yeah, this is good," you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I saw it more as it's fascinating shot because I saw it more as Delcia going in and Anila going, oh, uh-uh, you're not going to kiss me first. I'm going to go for you first because it was like a real power play kind of thing. I, I actually oh, think it's both. Maybe. To me, it, it seemed like she was more not accustomed to people showing her affection and she was worried it was some sort of, I don't know sneak attack that was her reaction to me but i i can see it both ways no i mean i think i think that's part of it but i think also i mean this this whole interaction comes about because she was telling delsea that true power is direct and that's Mm -hmm. what prompted delsea's action and so yeah i think there is that moment of hesitation and uncertainty but then also like a certain amount of a bit of a, a power play on Anila's part in in that she is. I mean, it, it's been very well established that she is the one in charge of things. Indeed, she's the alpha. <sighs> well, what I what I like about <laughs> it's not like a happy sigh. Yes. <laughs> okay. Shut up, Andy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> usually I'm the one doing the happy sighs. It's just funny to hear the tables turned. What but- is happening right now? <laughs> But I just, I, I love how it, like, Delcea keeps trying to assert herself as, yeah, I'm still the one in charge, but Anila keeps overriding her. You know, I just, I love the the whole power play thing, so. And I would like to make clear, I'm not saying that Michelle of Redar, the writers, or whomever made this choice, you know, it, broadly the writers, I'm not saying they did anything wrong by having them smooch. I'm into the smooching, but I'm also just kind really, of like, it's so oh, hard no. to tell. <laughs> oh no, this plays into a, a long-standing trope that maybe could go wrong. I'm just worried about it, but I'm not saying they did anything wrong, and I'm not like displeased or anything, but I just, I can't believe I didn't sort of see it coming that way. It just wasn't really in my head. I think maybe I just didn't think they would actually go there. So, hey. (laughs) I I was a little surprised they went there. But once it started happening, like I said, I was so happy. Oh, yeah. For you, Stephanie. It was like 1% surprise, 99% happy for Stephanie. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And and no happy for Annie? Eh, You know, I got my way hot. I got my docubus. It's just thrilled for Stephanie, honestly. (laughs) (sighs) But the frisson, Annie, the frisson is there between the two of them, so strong. <sighs> I refuse to believe that Annie's not even 1% happy for herself. I know. I, just, I, I, I know. am. Okay, okay, I'll put the 1% in there for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so 98% for me, 1% okay. surprised, 1% happy for Annie. We'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> As we negotiate <laughs> percentages, this is what our podcast is about, people. Is it? So... So, yeah. do Delsea and Anila have a ship name yet? If not, can I nominate Green Queens? Huh? <laughs> I kind of love it. <laughs> nice score. Have you hashtagged that to Lovretta? I have not yet. I have not. I was going to say, we need to, we need to pitch that on Twitter. <laughs> Maybe come up with one or two alternatives. We can put up a poll now well, that Twitter does polls. The only other one that I could think of, which involves a reference to a word I don't really like, but it's one I think Delsea has used in reference to herself, is is Anila and the Bee. Ah? 
See, Green Queen no. is better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, Aquila and the Bee. It was a t- it was a movie. And oh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I see but I'm it like, now. who's the Bee? Yeah, I know what you're referring to, but <sighs> Dulcea would be the Bee. Anyway, we'll get, we'll stick with we'll stick with Green Queens. <laughs> oh dear. But can I also express my disappointment that Banyan Gray was killed? I don't think she needed to die. I really don't. I think no, I she, don't either. I I have I don't know. I I don't like it. Cuz I got really excited when we got confirmation that she was on their side basically. Mhm. Well, not their side, but on on team the human human side. Yes. And how she said she'd been you know, fight, looking for this kind of like her whole time at the rack. You know, she knew something was up, and that's why she went to this particular rack, was to find out what was going on. And, you know, she was smart and awesome, and a woman of color in charge. And I love how all this information came out in the middle of a fight. A glorious fight scene, but I just, oh, I was so bummed when Dutch didn't get to her in time, and that shot revealed that she was gone, and I was like, oh. Man, you could have, uh, she could have been almost dead and she could have come back and she would have been a really valuable ally and she's awesome and, uh. Oh, but again, I feel like this is going to have strong significance story-wise later, right? Because Dutch made the decision to leave her there after Dutch being the one to injure her so severely. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, I, again, I thought as bum, as bummed as I am that Banyan is gone, I, thought that was just great emotional writing for Dutch and that it's, I'm, you know, looking forward as horrible as it is to seeing how it will affect her um, more. Because you see Dutch at the end of the episode, you know, how uh, distant she is. And I'm just like, oh. So I think it's not that it hasn't already, but it's really becoming clear to her what cost the war is having. You know, and on a more minor point, what did um, Dav call him? Pukey or... Pukes. pukes, pukes, you know, that Dutch promised him at the beginning of the episode that he would come out. And even though he's a very ineffective fighter, poor guy, that he got taken out. And so yet another human innocent that is a casualty of this war. Although I have a question, tangent. I thought these geeks were just supposed to be on the geek side of things and not going in in the field. Why were they in the field? When they don't really have weapons training, and then, you know, one of them, what's his name, ends up betraying their plan because he got promised eternal life. But, yeah, I don't understand why the geeks were in the field. I guess, are they, is the rack really, they're lacking that many soldier, foot soldiers that they need to put well, people without a lot of combat experience yes. in such a dangerous situation? Well, no, it's not that the rack is lacking soldiers. It's that Dutch is lacking. Oh, Dutch is what I meant. Yeah. Firepower. And it sounded like what McAvoy said was he talked Benji into taking up arms and being part of the strike team. So it's mm-hmm. not that they were necessarily expected to do it, but because it was a all hands on deck type of thing, it sounds like they volunteered to, you know, yeah. have weapons and such. But again, that's really, uh, that's Dutch, though, as a leader, saying, I'll get you in, I'll get you out. And for her not to be 100% successful, A, by poor Pukey not making it, and also... Pukes. 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 <laughs> Sorry. By Pukes not making it, and by McAvoy also betraying them and nobody noticed. So, 
yeah, it's it's a lot of cost so far. And they, I feel like, you know, they take one step forward. They, as you said, Chris, they finally take an action plan, and it's like ten steps back because now they're even more depleted in terms of potential soldiers. I did like, however, the return of the, uh, shoot, genetic bomb. What's it? Is that what they call it? Mm, mm-hmm. That sounds right. Yeah, genetic bomb. I, I'm glad that they brought that back from season one, and I think that could be an important tool for them going forward, since their attempt to recruit more rack soldiers didn't go so well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. at least they got that out of the raid of their own rack, even though everything else seemed to go pretty poorly. So hopefully it seems pretty straightforward. They just need to put some goo on it, and they know it won't kill humans, and they could just use it to take out all the uh, Holland soldiers in any of the racks, hopefully. It still makes me nervous, though, right? Because the whole point of that weapon when they introduced it was how very dangerous that is. Mm -hmm. And I do wonder if it's going to be a matter of not all the Holland will be affected by the same amount of goo. Like, would they need... Because all of the, the Holland that were on, in the quad who were made on Arkin, like when they killed the Arkin pool, they lost their abilities. Will there be like different types of goo to attack all of the Holland in mm-hmm. Anila's fleet? Like that might be able to wipe out some of them, but will it take out all of the Holland at once? Or will they need samples of the different types of goo from the different yeah. sources? I think they'll need different samples of different types of goo from all the different pools because they're all slightly genetically different. Isn't that the the case it, it seems to be yeah yeah i actually got kind of nervous when they used it at first i'm like but is it possible and it doesn't seem to be fortunately but i worried for a moment if it was going to affect davin for example yeah, yeah. i worried it might f- affect davin or and and fancy i don't know that right, they were close exactly. enough but still i worried <laughs> right just because you know they had previously been affected by it. So it was just kind of like, I don't know if there's any lingering effects, you know? Right. Yeah, because Davin was able to use his control over the goo to make eyeballs explode again. So gross. Yeah, so gross. It it really made me have total recall flashbacks for a minute, which mm. always grosses me out. So I I was appreciative though that his eyes did not explode just directly into camera. I've yeah. had not to give any spoilers about other shows that I watch, but I've had a lot of eye related trauma in other shows that recently, so I was happy that we did not get exploding eyes directly into camera. Just kind of off to the side. Uh, now I um, wanna know what shows. <laughs> later, Annie. Later. Okay. Later. Okay. And if anybody's interested on one of our other podcasts for Orphan Black, called Tatiana is Everyone, Stephanie and I are currently covering the fifth and final season of the show. We're releasing weekly episode discussions. You can listen to the podcast and find out how to subscribe at tatianaiseveryone.com. We are going to kind of wrap up with some questions here. We are recording this episode a little bit later than usual, so we're trying to keep it on the shorter side so we can get it posted pretty quickly for y'all. But my big question at the end of the episode was, Anila makes some vague references to fixing Delsea's mistake, and she got what she needed from the mission that was taken to the rack, and I'm not entirely sure what she was speaking of, and I'm worried she might have had her goons do something to Davin. Yeah, that was my question, too. And I was like, wait, was she referring to blowing up 
a bunch of the rack ships or yeah, more specifically to Davin. So yeah, I'm worried. And I'm worried that all of Johnny's brain parts are still not there. So <laughs> I'm hoping he's not missing too much. I did like that bit at the end where Dav filled him in on a few things. And uh, that was cute. Thoughts, Chris, on whether something happened to Davin? Oh, I suspect something did. It certainly sounded like something did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just a complete dolt, but I've watched the episode twice now, and I'm still not entirely sure what Noam Jenkins' character was trying to ask Davin about when he was torturing Johnny. I was like, wait a minute, what is the question? They keep tormenting Johnny, oh. but what's what information were they trying to get? Uh, yeah, his character's name was Radic, and I was very glad that he was offed during the episode. Because uh, I did not like him. Why does Noam Jenkins always play a smarmy guy? Ugh. He's really good at it. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, ah! That would be why, yeah. <sighs> I don't uh, know. I, th- I, need to, I need to watch again. I thought he was just asking him... Oh, that's right. How did you kill the Arkenpool? That was the question. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember now. Okay. I just lost track of it and all the screaming. I was like, wait, what, <laughs> what are they even asking anymore? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, and then... Uh, Dav was just asking, well, how'd you know about our plan? And then we have the whole thing with McAvoy. So, yeah, I, it was a, you know, the scenes were kind of split up and I was just mostly really distressed about Johnny. So I could see how that would happen. This is the second time this season that he's been restrained with something dangerous moving toward his head. I don't like this. Stop doing this to I, Johnny. I know. I know. I know. See, Poor that's Johnny. why he still should have had the finger banger. He could have gotten out sooner. Uh, should have left it in. I thought the stuff with Fancy was some good material for him. And I, I'm wondering if he will find his place on the team. He was seeming to reject his past role as, you know, the designated a-hole who's kind of the loner killjoy. And he's been working with the team some. Uh, but this was really a blow to him feeling like part of the group. And I wonder if he's just mad at Turin or if, if he'll have difficulty fitting in with the rest of the team now. Well, so much doubt was cast on him. During the episode, which I thought was a really, you know, not neat for him, but a, just neat writing a psychological game that the uh, Holland chick was playing at. And yeah, now I'm kind of wondering, well, are, are they all really cleansed? I hope so. But I like how there was still conflict between Fancy and Turin. Again, this show's development of all the secondary characters is fantastic. And I love that line where Fancy said, oh, there's only one place for the a-hole here and that's you so i actually kind of like this turn of events with respect to you know the designated a-hole thing because it's kind of a consequence of that right i mean (laughs) he deliberately isolated himself and now people are having trouble trusting him yeah i mean i i know that's not the only reason why but I do feel like it's sort of an interesting commentary on that. I trust him. Because if he had been more of a team player before he had been turned Holland, they would have warmer, fuzzy uh, feelings to lean back on. But since he was such a loner and really separated himself from everybody else, yeah, it's difficult for him to integrate now. Can I just say one of the things that really made me happy was right before they set off the genetic bomb and Johnny's like, wait, and you know, Johnny and Dutch clasp hands and she kisses his hand. I was like, oh, just the love, the love. And I love how Michelle Loretta said, 
on Twitter, the majority of the important relationships in my life have been happily platonic, always a big part of my shows. And she has tags, Johnny and Dutch, Bo and Kenzie. And I'm like, yes, this is why I love you, Loretta. That was just a really sweet moment. And I was like, okay, Johnny's still okay after getting tortured. And he remembered that a banana was a banana. So I had no idea what he was referring to at first. I'm all, what kind of fruit is that? But, um, <laughs> so... Uh, Annie, what? So, uh, yeah. Annie has trouble with tropical fruits, apparently. I have trouble with fruit <laughs> identification through description, apparently. So you so, have no uh, gaydar, is what you're saying. Squishy, huh? Okay, the fruit is squishy. Alrighty. But that was probably my favorite part of the episode, along with the awesome Dutch slide into the trash chute. And then I had some very Star Star Wars vibes when she found herself in there, and then she had to strip down later. I'm all, oh, an excuse for Dutch to be in her underwear again. I am not sad. So, it, uh, since you brought it up, I wasn't going to say anything, but since you brought it up, the underwear thing, I have to comment. I thought that this was a not gross way to do it. Because, again, it's like a really tropey thing, right? The mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. the female hero has to end up in her underwear. But Dutch was wearing very practical underwear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was a very practical reason for her to strip down. She goes, they're going to smell me before they see me. Well, and this that's basically what she was wearing back in the premiere when they went into the spa to kidnap that guy. You know, shorts and kind mm-hmm. of a tank top. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was still perfectly reasonable clothes it's not like they made her run around in her skivvies the entire episode exactly and she did put a jacket on at the end of the episode but i'm like put some pants on dutch why why would you say that annie why yeah i know that was stupid (laughs) but i'm like dutch doesn't have to put on pants if dutch does not want to put on pants that's true because stephanie is a fan of pantsless and i should be more of a fan too yeah that was silly of me But speaking of things that make me happy, I'm trying to transition to my last question, Annie. So (laughs) my final question is, do we think Anila is actually catching feelings for Delsea? I wasn't entirely sure in that whole exchange. It feels very volatile to me if she's just thinking Delsea's maybe a novelty or if we actually are seeing the beginnings of something real between the two of them. Well, that was catching feelings, you youngster. Well, this was the glorious bit about it. It was such a long kiss that at first I'm like, you know, Delsea's leaning in and Dutch is like, uh uh-uh. And then then Dutch wasn't even there. Excuse me, Dutch. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Stephanie wishes it was Dutch, but we got Anila. I'm fine with Anila. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to tell you this. They look very similar. (laughs) Yeah. But Delsay is leaning in, and Anila's like, uh-uh, and then Anila leans over and kisses her first, and then the kiss goes on so long, I'm like, okay, Anila's really getting into this. Maybe it is just more than a power play. She really is enjoying it. So, yeah, but, yeah, that was it a long be both. kiss. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like I said, yeah, it could be both, but I, yeah, I, was, I enjoyed it. Okay, maybe it's more than 1% for me, so... <laughs> It's gone up to 10%, 15 20%. <laughs> wow. It's quite a jump. Yeah. Chris? I I don't know. I'm curious because it honestly could be a, a means of manipulating Delsea. Right. It could be. I'm not putting that past her. But at the same time, I think a lot of the stuff Delsea said 
could very well ring true for Anila, and it could be a matter of, you know, finding a bit of a, a kindred spirit for her. Who knows? She did challenge her when Delcea suggested they were merely friends. That's the way I hear it. heard it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Anila basically saying, like, like, don't you dare gal pal me. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that was after Delcea was like, you get your lips off of her delightful bum, you gander, you. That's that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, oddly enough, I don't remember that exact dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, she used another word besides bum, but she did say that. <laughs> there was reference to the posterior, yes. I'm, yes. I'm just saying I don't remember the word delightful being. There. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, feel then. like you, you embellished a little. Oh, just a little. It's fine. <laughs> Stephanie is taking artistic license. It's true. Y'all, I'm happy. I'm conflicted, but happy. Let me have it. (laughs) I'm happy that you're happy. Thank you. I haven't had a hunky monk in his delightful arms lit beautifully in (laughs) semi-dark lighting for many episodes. There has been a lot of, like, muscular arms and shoulders, and I'm very pleased about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But I, I, you wished for fancy last week. I'm wishing for some hunky monk next week or the week following. I want some hunky monk. Please. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I, I correct myself. I need more pantsless Dutch. So yeah, <laughs> I, I don't mind. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you over to my side, Annie. You're just gonna be like pantsless. Yeah, yeah, green queens. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be so happy. It's good to be me. <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Well, we would love to hear your thoughts about this episode of Killjoys, now that we all know what Stephanie thinks about (laughs) maybe too many things. (laughs) You can send them to to us at killjoys at askgenretv.com. We love getting voice messages so, so very much. You can send those to us in a couple of ways. You can record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us, or you can call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. Follow us on Twitter or Tumblr at Killjoys Podcast. Occasionally, we live tweet. Who knows? Find out. Follow us and find out. (laughs) Chris makes no promises. The Quad is part of the Ask Genre TV family of podcasts. To find our other podcasts about Orphan Black and Winona Earp and Lost Girl and some other shows, visit our website, askgenretv.com. Thanks for listening. See you in the Quad. Bye.